Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back. I'm super excited you've joined me today. I'm Audrey Rindlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. We'd love your help in supporting this podcast by putting up a review and subscribing so that you don't ever miss an episode and sharing this out with your friends and family. Of course, we'd love to get to know you in the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group as well. So join us there. Today, we get to talk about uh, really something cool, finding principles in scripture. Now we could do a million of these, but I went back, we've been reading the New Testament as a family and had a really great discussion. And I thought I would just walk you through kind of what we went over to help you begin to see how you would really begin to identify principles in scripture with your family. So years ago, I was working on my undergraduate degree in liberal arts, and that meant that we studied the great books. That was my master's degree too in education, but this was very broad and principles in natural law were a focus. And I had uh, to take this economics class, which looked very different than a traditional economics class because we read uh, economists from lots of different time periods, And uh, it was really fascinating. On the other hand, it was really boring. And I had this big fat packet. And I mean, these are the great books. And so they're going into all kinds of painful detail. And honestly, sometimes I'm just not really following it all. And it's really hard. And so I would um, set aside a couple hours every day. And I had this certain number of pages that I had to get through in this economics packet to be done in time. And so I had had a particularly difficult day getting through my economics readings. And I remember standing in the kitchen making dinner that evening. And I was thinking all about this and, oh, this is such a hard class. And why are they making me take it? And it's just so painful. And what's the point? I'm never going to be an economist or, you know, run a bank or whatever the thing, you know, whatever economists do. And I just didn't really get it yet. I hadn't really made the connection about what it was all for. And I was standing there in the kitchen thinking these kinds of thoughts, asking myself these questions. And this powerful idea came so strongly to my mind that I just had to believe it was from God. And I had this thought, it's so that you can understand scripture. And boy, that changed my paradigm a lot, I can tell you. And from that point on, I mean, I had been introduced to natural law. I had started to become interested in it. We had our family mission statement of the truth shall set you free. So I was a little bit on this path. But then the scriptures really opened wide up to me as I tried to harmonize what I was learning in my liberal arts program with what I saw in scripture And everything shifted, especially when I had this reference point of, okay, there's these absolutes. All truth is connected. I can look for these things in scripture. And so I started to find government principles and economic principles and relationship principles. And it really 
totally shifted the way that I understood my relationship to God and understood what scripture is for and how it's supposed to help me in my everyday life. So this is just a small sampling and I'm going to go specifically into first principles today and I'll show you why as we go through this reading. You can open up to it if you'd like. I'm using the King James Version because it's just universal. It's kind of the earliest English Bible that we have, most authoritative. So I'm in Matthew 15. This is the very beginning of the chapter. And I'm just going to read a little bit and then just pause. And what I want to do, first of all, is be asking questions as I go. Okay, so I I don't want to just read a lot of verses all in a row and then say, oh, well, that was a nice story. And I guess it means to be nicer to people. I really want to dig in. Now, one tool that's going to help you with this is the five types of questions, which is taught in my article from opinions to principles. We use that in level one of the academy, but I've released it for free. You can get it at audreyrinlessbacher.com on the principles page. And if you'll use those five types of questions in your scripture reading with your family, it will really start to be transformed. And I recommend you use those five types of questions in the order I've outlined them in that article. First, ask the what, then ask the why. Start searching um, for interdisciplinary and principled questions and then find your application. So we're going to do some of that. So this first verse says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem. Okay, so Jesus is doing his thing with his disciples, really minding his own business, just teaching uh, truth. And the Pharisees and Sadducees won't leave him alone. In this case, it was the Pharisees and the scribes. And the scribes, of course, were were, um, not Jews, but the Pharisees were. And the Pharisees are a certain sect of the, of the Jews, especially at this time, they were, had a lot of authority. They loved the power that they wielded. They were kind of seen as the perfect example of what, you know, a good Jew looked like and how you were supposed to live your religion. And they were very attached to the traditions. They loved all the little rules And they loved all the little rules and traditions often more than the actual doctrines, (laughs) as you'll see in this little selection. Um, And so they had their own kind of set of, of beliefs and doctrines they were about. But they really hated that Jesus was stealing authority and power from them. And they constantly tried to look for opportunities to knock him down. He wanted to create doubts in the minds of Jesus's followers. So if you notice, he'll always go where Jesus is with his people to, uh, to question him and see what kind of clever response he'll come up with. And of course they always fail at this tactic, but they try it several times. So this is one instance in which they're doing that. So they come to him and they say, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, of course, um, you may or may not know, but the Old Testament, of course, is full of the law of Moses. And there are lots of very specifics about what to eat and, and what to do. 
What's fascinating about this, there's some letters from John Quincy Adams to his son that I um, that are available in the in the academy that we use to some degree. And some of those letters talk about the value of of the Bible as a work of history and as a collection of natural laws and principles, basically. And one of the things that John Quincy Adams points out, which is so brilliant, is how um, how these principles that God gave them put them in advance of many of the other civilizations. They had solid financial principles. I mean, if we lived the financial principles of the Old Testament, our society would flourish even more. Um, and, and America was founded on several of those, which made us flourish at the beginning. In this instance, they're talking about hygienic principles, which there are several um, kind of medical slash hygienic principles in the Old Testament, and it made them healthier than most of their civilizations around them. When they were obedient, then they were cleaner and healthier overall because they were good practices. Now we know all these years later, I mean, it, it, it was in the 1800s that um, we started having medical practices where we washed hands and removed germs and all that kind of stuff because we we didn't even have these truths kind of got lost in the Middle Ages, I guess you could say. But the point being, this is a good practice. The Pharisees want the people to do a good thing. That's important to remember. They're not asking them to do a bad thing. They're asking them to live a hygienic, an application of a hygienic principle that will make them um, healthier, right? So this isn't a bad thing. But then Jesus says, he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So he won't even answer their question. He answers their question with a question and puts it back on them. Okay, you're upset at the disciples because they didn't wash their hands. Let's look at what's going on with you. For God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother. And he said, and said, he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whatsoever, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Now, if you turn over this same basic idea is in the book of Mark and they say it a little bit differently. This is in Mark 7, 11. But if, uh, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corbin, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Now, Corbin means something that's consecrated to God. So what Jesus has just said to them is, okay, do you want to talk about um, important tradition, quote, traditions? Well, let's talk about how there's this commandment that says to honor your father and your mother and you encourage everybody to get off the hook and not have to do that by saying, I've consecrated all my goods to God. I'm sorry, mom and dad. I'd love to help you in your old age to care for you, provide things for you, all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, I've consecrated it to God. 
That allows them to retain ownership of it and to use it for selfish means, but it also allows them to look really good to everybody like they're so much more righteous because they consecrate all their goods to God. And so it's all about pride and positioning that they've come up with this strategy to avoid living this commandment. So they, they question Jesus about an application. If we're going to look at the framework, um, if you haven't listened to the series on principles, the podcast series, I'd encourage you to go back and listen because you'll understand this even better if you do. There's one on natural law, first principles and principles, and then of course there's application. So there's those four levels, right? Well, they're talking about application of a, of a good solid principle of personal hygiene. Well, Jesus does something brilliant. He brings it back to a first principle. And first principles are universal. As Thomas Reed said, they're written on our hearts by the finger of God. They compel our assent. We know them when we hear them and they compel us to behave, to honor them first. So first principles override principles in the sense that true principles will be in harmony with first principles, but first principles are more important. Okay. So he brings them back to a first principle, tells them, okay, you don't like that. They're not living some little traditional application. I'm calling you out on not living a first principle. And then he goes on, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. So I want to talk to you about this um, a little bit further, go a little bit deeper for the next few minutes on this idea so that you can really see it in practice. Now, most religions have their core doctrines in common and first principles in the religious realm, there are first spiritual principles, if that makes sense. And those are doctrines. Okay. So some first principles are doctrines. Many doctrines are first principles. So honoring your father and your mother is a first principle. Now, how do we know that? How do we know it's a first principle and not just a, just a principle that we would need to learn and apply? Well, we know that because when we first hear it, that we should honor our parents and our grandparents and do good to them and care for them. It instantly sounds true. We don't need to understand all the arguments for why it would be true and see evidences of applications in other people's lives and how they did that and it somehow helped and blessed them. We might need to see that about specific financial principles, for example, but we don't need to see that about honoring your father and mother. It feels true as soon as we hear it and we can see that it's pretty much universally accepted. So for example, Here's some, this is, this is um, some C.S. Lewis has done some of this research. You can see in a cross section of um, civilizations in history that the, princip- the first principle of honoring parents uh, runs across cultures. So here's Hindu. Your father is an image of the Lord of creation, your mother an image of the earth. For him who fails to honor them, every work of piety is in vain. This is the first duty. This is Babylonian. Has he despised father and mother? 
Here's ancient Egyptian. I was a staff by my father's side. I went in and out as at command. Here's um, ancient Chinese. When proper respect towards the dead is shown at the end and continued after they are far away, the moral force of a people has reached its highest point. So honoring parents even after death. Um, Redskin, you will see them take care of old men. So there are more of these, but you can see that if you do a cross-section historically and you look at major civilizations, honoring parents is a core belief in those civilizations, especially when they're at their height. Now, when they're in decline, sometimes you see the disintegration of that. For example, it's one of the first principles discarded in, for example, a socialist or communist um, governmental model. And it leads to the societal decay very quickly. Youth are encouraged to dishonor their parents. And when forced or encouraged to do that, it causes the unraveling of the society very quickly. It causes unrest and chaos and, um, and anarchy because a first principle isn't being lived. So this first principle also up, helps uphold society. You can also find it in the major world religions. Of course, there, this is a principle of, of most major religions. In fact, I wrote a few of these down just so you could kind of see how doctrines are first principles and they're pretty consistent. So many of them are consistent across the major world religions. Belief in God, prayer, charity and philanthropy, fasting, holy places and visiting those holy places, prophets, scripture, obedience to God, rewards and punishments, life after death, eternal reward. Those, those can be found over and over again. And they, 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 they compel our ascent is how Thomas Reed said it. Their spiritual first principles that ring true with people and have with the vast majority, 90% of people, you know, or more throughout the history of the world. And so they're underneath that umbrella of natural law because they're laws that apply, um, there are laws that apply everywhere, but they're also part of the law of human nature because they apply only to humanity and then they follow as first principles because of their uniformity across cultures. Now, notice too that Jesus said doctrines versus commandments of men. So this is something to keep in mind as well. That's a theme in scripture, that's a theme in, in, in religions because commandments of men, and I talked about this a little bit, I think in the natural law podcast, anytime human beings make laws that aren't in harmony with natural law, then they fall apart. We don't inherently feel compelled to obey them. Okay. And so they don't have the natural weight of natural law behind them. In this case, the Pharisees were trying to make an application of a hygienic principle more important than a first principle. So they were trying to enforce something that mankind felt was important, not something that God felt was most important. God still likes that idea. It's important. We should wash our hands. 
But I want to, um, I want to encourage you to think about how this idea of looking at the first principles first and putting your life in line with those first principles first and keeping them as your major priority, how that can create a solid foundation and, and, and balance your life. For example, today, in today's world, we're often um, encouraged to do good things, but they're not the best things. As C.S. Lewis explains, they take their weight from the law of human nature. They are part of the law of human nature, whether it be um, concepts or principles like tolerance or kindness or even um, caring for people or whatever it is. They'll encourage you to, to obey those principles. And they ring true and feel true because they are principles. They are good things to do. It's not like they're asking us to do a bad thing. And this is where it gets really tricky. And this is why moms have to put in the work. It's not just going to come naturally because I, I put out a few podcasts and you listen to them and now you're an expert at this. This is a tool. This is a, and, and this is a skill that must be developed You have got to put in the work. You've got to put in the practice. The MDM Academy is there to help you with that. But if you'll put in the practice on your own, you'll get better at it too, just by virtue of trying to think in that way and practicing it. Because we are constantly being asked to do good things. But they're at the expense of the more important things. And when we do good things at the expense of the more important things, at the expense of the principle of the first principles, then our lives unravel, our families unravel, and our society unravels. So if we all spend our energy being kind and tolerating, that might work for a while. But if it's at the expense of the weightier first principles that a solid society is founded upon, or a family or a life, then it will unravel. And this is where the confusion comes in, especially for our children and our youth. Because when they're, you know, when they go to school, go to college, go to work, go out in the world, it's not as if, I mean, sometimes people, you know, oh, do some drugs or whatever. And even, you know, some of those things are illegal. So, There's no question that that someone's asking them to to do, quote, a bad thing. The question, the, the problem really arises when they're being asked to do a good thing, but they do that good thing at the expense of the first principle they should be living. So, for example, maybe, maybe it's really, you're, you're really good at caring for your home and it's really clean and it's really orderly but you buy things for yourself and you decorate your home and you take really good care of it at the expense of living the first principles that every religion is founded upon and that is philanthropy and caring for the poor. Well, you're robbing yourself of joy, but it's a bit of a house of cards. You don't have the spiritual depth 
and you can't maintain a solid life, you're living a good principle of cleanliness, but you're not living the first principles first. Maybe you dress nicely and do your hair and have good hygienic principles, but you don't live the first principles of honoring your body as a temple and caring for its spiritual needs as well as for its true, more important physical needs of giving it healthy nutritional foods and giving it enough sleep and all those kinds of things. So in every area of life, there are first principles that must be looked at, analyzed, and lived. God would have us live all the laws. He would love for us to get to the point where we could live all the principles if humanly possible. But he's made our journey much easier by by helping us along the road and giving us first principles that we can then latch on to. And as we live those first principles, we reap the blessings, we build a more solid foundation, and then we are led to more truth to solve more maybe relationship problems or health problems or financial problems with those principles that that are bring inherent success in those areas of our lives. And I just love this little section of scripture because it's Jesus doing what he does over and over and over again so brilliantly, and that is not letting people replace what's far less important for what's most important. So my challenge to you is to dig a little deeper in your scriptures to start looking for those first principles that um, are unifying to mankind, that compel our ascent immediately, that we know just inherently to be true, because they are bridges that help us make connections and build solid foundations for our own lives, in our families, and with our communities, because everybody can get behind the first principles because they're so universally felt. As you do that, I can promise you that your life will become more peaceful, more happy. In fact, there's 12 characteristics of true principles, which I mentioned in a previous podcast, and we put those in the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group. And you can, you can go over there and join the group and find them in the feed. And th- they can help also be a guide for the kinds of characteristics you should be looking for when you're looking for those principles. But that's one little aspect of finding principles in scripture I thought I'd uh, go over with you today. I hope that it was helpful. I hope that you can think more on the value and the importance of first principles and impressing them upon your families and getting your families more principle centered. Thanks so much for joining me. If you don't have your free copy of my ebook, The Mission Driven Life, please head over to themissiondrivenmom.com and grab that. Make sure and share and subscribe and we will see you next time.